T to classify yes, as three letters. Cause our history guys, we got Eric, Ellie, who else? We got Brian, listen every time, you know it's gonna be some drive. Everybody certified, it's pocket rock, ain't tell no lies. You really my lose your mind, can only put this in your time. Welcome back to the WFT Declassified Podcast, the hottest podcast about the Washington Commanders, this side of the Mississippi River, and really both sides of the Mississippi River. Eric, how you doing? Not too bad. Ellie is the hottest podcaster this side <laughs> of the Mississippi River. <laughs> we are a collective. If you are listening or watching, make sure you are subscribed and that all your friends are subscribed too. We appreciate all the new traffic and conversation that we've been getting, but we always want more. We're a little greedy here at WFTD Classified. Today, we're going to talk about the enigma, probably the most polarizing and popular Washington commander at this point, and that would be our starting running back, Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson, number 24. Uh, Eric's going to tell us about Antonio. Eric, uh, hit us the game on Antonio, please. Who is Antonio Gibson? He is a, a third year, going into his third year, running back out of the University of Memphis or Memphis University. I don't actually know what that is, but uh, out of Memphis. Uh, he was a wide receiver in college uh, who got some touches. He was like a Debo Samuel player in college. He was kind of a hybrid player. Only something like 83 total touches in his college career, and somehow he parlayed that into a starting running back job with the Washington football team. And I think he's done a good job thus far. Um, he's a uh, been a very productive back, uh, nearly uh, 2,000 rushing yards, over 2,000 yards from scrimmage in his first two years. So good on him on that. Uh, has a few issues that we're going to get into, but overall, I uh, I don't feel like he's as polarizing maybe as Ali led on in my book. But uh, I think he's a nice, solid running back for us. Twitter is ablaze about Antonio Gibson, as they are most things on a, uh, on a normal day. But um, so when Antonio Gibson was drafted, I immediately reached out to Manny Benton, who covered the team for a long time, and he was super thrilled about Antonio Gibson. He said he was the next Joe Mixon. That was his sort of comparison for him, um, which I thought was a bit advantageous or a, a bit adventurous because of the limited carries at the pure running back spot that you mentioned in college. Um, and then there's also the conversation of why he didn't get more touches at college, but they had a, another running back that was also productive. And I think he's in the NFL. Um, Isn't it Tony Pollard? I, I thought it was Tony Pollard. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to say that until I was sure. So um, since he's been in the league in 2020, Antonio Gibson, uh, his rookie year, he was an 80.9, 80.9 in PFF. His rushing grade in PFF was an 85.3, and his receiving grade was a 63.6. And one thing that we talked about on this podcast his rookie year was just the overall lack of opportunities in the receiving game his first season. If you remember, he was almost never on the field on third downs his rookie year. Um, it was always McKissick or Peyton Barber, I believe. So, um, And a lot of that can be attributed to the lack of pass blocking, which is still problematic at this point. But in terms of running the ball, he did a really good job down the stretch, especially with Alex Smith in at quarterback um, in that stretch that we had going into the playoffs. So he was really effective, and a lot of people were really excited about him going into his second season, especially some of the, the more famous folks. If you play fantasy football, you know that he was one of the ones that was supposed to be a top running back in fantasy football. Matthew Berry was extremely excited about him. 
And then 2021 came. His overall rating in PFF dropped down to a 63.3. His rush grade went from 85.3 to a 65.6. His receiving grade went down to a 57.8 from a 63.6. Before we get into any additional stats, Eric, tell me about the eye test of Antonio Gibson on the field. Yeah, he's what you know what really surprised me first of all about him what well, you spoke of receiving grade he had 40 catch 42 catches last year that's yeah. crazy i was like i you like the most inconspicuous 40 catch season i think i've seen he had a lot of catches uh last year but very few explosive plays and he tends to leave a lot of yards on the field and i think that is where the inexperience comes into play as a running back um you know, the limited carries that he got as a running back in college. It was really kind of a, a gadget play guy in college. And I think that's what shows because there is definitely uh, there's definitely the um, the running in the lineman, not hitting the right hole, the lack of patience. It's definitely you can see it, um, you know, only averaging four yards a carry last year for a guy who runs a four, three, five and is a big physical dude. Doesn't have a ton of yards after contact, uh, if I remember correctly. So. Uh, yeah, very, uh, I, I, I don't think he fails the eye test, but I don't, he's definitely not a top echelon running back in my opinion. He's not a Jonathan Taylor, uh, or even a Joe Mixon type running back, but you don't have to be in today's NFL. Uh, but, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's, you know, reasonably productive. He's a solid running back for the most part. Um, uh, but I, there's, there's definitely more that could be there, especially when it comes to explosive plays. I think his long last year rushing was 27 yards. He had the one big run, uh, big catch and run against Buffalo went like 78 yards, 70 odd yards. So that, that was the, really the one explosive play that he had last year for somebody who is as fast as he is. That's a little odd, um, in my book yeah. anyway. His, his statistical, uh, comparison, if you're looking strictly at numbers is Josh Jacobs from the Raiders. Uh, which is an intriguing comparison because Josh Jacobs' longest play uh, or longest rush last year, I think, was 28 yards or something like that. Both of those individuals lack in the big play game, uh, which in this in this in today's NFL, your offense should be creating long runs. They should be creating really long plays, and I think one of the reasons that he struggles is, like you said, the next level of vision. If you look at his stats, fourth most carries, he had 258 carries last season. He had the six most rushing yards, uh, 1,035. Um, but he had the 42nd uh, most yards of carry, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So that speaks to it. Um, he is really, really good in short yardage situations, especially in goal line situations. I love what he can do in the red zone for us. Um, but when it comes to extending plays beyond the initial seven or eight-man box, that's where he starts to struggle. And, um, you know, that's a weird kind of thing because as you start getting to that level of the field, there's less defenders there. But in order to be a really good running back and excel at that point, you have to have vision because you're going to have to know where to cut off of the safety or the corners coming over to help. Um, let me ask you this. He regressed statistically from his first season, not in yards, but in just overall ratings and grades from PFF, which I know is not perfect. But if everybody's using the same measurements, then you can at least quantify some information from there. What do you attribute to um, his regression last season? I'm going to go – I would like to go quarterback play, but I don't think that's really the case because, I mean, he didn't have much at quarterback the year before either. Right. Um, you know, maybe the lack of production from the tight ends, uh, Logan Thomas not being in there, you know, there was a big dip in that. That was one. But there's very few weapons on the field that are really dangerous for Washington in general, and losing Logan Thomas was one more. Um, 
you know, it's very difficult to, to really say what caused it because, you know, it was basically the same offense that he was in. He had the same type of, you know, running the same, you know, the same type of play, uh, running plays, you know, he was, there wasn't a lot behind him. Um, he just, maybe teams caught up to what he was doing. Um, you know, but he just, you know, he had kind of the same, the same problems, the same problems the year before. Honestly, I think it might be, I'll go with this. Now I'm thinking, you know, this is stream of consciousness for me. I'm going to go because he had more carries. There was, he was more, there was more exposure and, you know, the more exposure you get, the more your flaws come to the surface. So let's go with that. He had more runs. He had more carries. His yards per carry dipped. Teams caught on to him uh, and his flaws were exposed. Yeah, I, I think that makes we sense. We can edit that in post-production, right? <laughs> we, can, we can cut that response down by like three minutes, I think. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense, though, because his, his rookie year, he was really used situationally. And there were periods where he was used a lot um situationally but it was a situational situational aspect the other thing you got to remember is that this year we played the first place schedule and while i don't think that matters in every category i think it matters defensively with who we play we played some really good rushing defenses last the saints year. and the bucks definitely the buffalo buffalo uh, you know, yeah like that so um that's also a factor so the reason i bring that up is because i think a lot of people are kind of saying uh well maybe he should be used in different ways and um, we're, I want to talk to you about that a little bit more later, but I think we shouldn't be so quick to jump to conclusions that he can't handle the role as a running back just because um, there are some statistics that point to a slight regression last year. You're going to see that in the NFL uh, when you play different opponents. He did have seven rushing touchdowns last year, um, and he had three receiving touchdowns, uh, which is interesting because, like you said, his passing, his catches were 40-plus. You never would have thought that watching the games though last season. I mean, I'm I'm personally going through our games from last year, and he's never in, included in the receiving game. I think he had you know the the screen pass against Buffalo, he had a a slant or something against either uh, New Orleans or Kansas City, um, but it, it really is kind of uh, sparse in terms of his inclusion in the passing game. Um, when he is included, it generally is a screen pass. Mm-hmm. And considering that he played receiver in college to some degree, do you think that there's a lot of opportunity for him to develop as a receiver? You know, it's it's tough. I don't know what kind of routes he ran in college. Was he actually a receiver? Because running routes out of the backfield is different than running routes out of the receiver, even out of the slot. It's not exactly the same thing. And I don't know that his, you know, if his route running in college was really that good, he probably would be a receiver in the NFL. Uh, because, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think he's got the ability to catch the ball um, and he's got a, the ability to play in space. I mean, you saw the Buffalo run was a great example of that, but uh, I don't know that he has the ability to like create his own space. Um, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, with 40 catches, he can definitely be involved more in the passing game, but a big part of that is you, you have to be able to block. You have to be able to pick up the blitz if you're going to be a running back in the, in the passing game. And he hasn't shown that he can be trusted to do that yet, which is why McKissick, you know, was such a big part of it last year. And it really fell off that, that production from the running back, you know, that may, may be why he had more catches for the end. I know he had like seven catches in one game, but for like 28 yards. So right. it was, it was bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think he needs to get better in all aspects of the game. And I, like I said, I don't know what his route running looks like. It can't be that great if he you know had to convert to running back in college or in the pros, which is another thing. Like if you, you look at the tail off in production, like I think a lot of people like us 
sitting on our couches that may not appreciate how difficult it is to learn a new position at the professional level. Like that's not something you just do. You've got, you've got, you know, years of muscle memory and doing things one way and you've got to completely change that uh, against the highest level of competition you've ever faced. So that can't be easy. It's not. And, and I watched a lot of his uh, games at Memphis and you're correct. They were usually post routes, uh, slants, you know, some of the basic routes in the route tree that he would run. And the one thing I want people to understand, too, is Gibson's hands are not wide receiver level hands. Right. They are a running back, <laughs> a hybrid position hand, I guess I should say. Um, you know, a lot of people like to try to comp him to Debo. Debo has much, much better hands because Debo is a much more natural wide receiver than Antonio Gibson. Corderell Patterson, same thing. He was a receiver first who's learning to play running back. Um and, and therefore, his hands are going to be – I mean, Cordero's never been accused of having the greatest hands in the world either, right. but he is a much more natural receiver than Gibson. And just because his positioning in college was receiver slash running back doesn't mean that he was a starting caliber wide receiver at the collegiate level because he was not. You can tell by the limited number of touches that he got in the in college. Right. He was really a uh, – a, And those a, touches included like kick and punt returns too. That wasn't offensive touches. That was like total – Right, right. Yeah, his role was a was a flex role, um, which when he came out, I initially said, I wonder if this is how they're going to use him. And then everybody who covers the team said, no, he's going to be a pure running back. That is what they see in him. That is what they love about him is that he has the potential to be a, uh, a top tier running back. And I believe it was Scott Turner who really stood on the table for Gibson in the third round of that draft. So um, the team is still all in. Going into the third year, what what are you looking for from Gibson in order to feel like you justify you can justify him being our running back long term? I don't know that you can justify anybody being your running back long term in the NFL because they just don't last that long. Um, I think I don't honestly at this point even really see him getting a second contract with Washington just because that's how running backs are. Uh, unless you're like a really really special Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry type running back, uh, you don't get paid like that. So I think um, I, I hope to see basically maybe a little bit more than what we saw from him last year, but not a whole lot. If he can stay healthy and he can get four yards a rush, um, I think he's our, you know, he has done his job. I think he's fulfilled his role in the offense. I don't think at this point we, you know, I'd love to see him break off big plays. I just don't know that that's who he is. I don't know that he's going to turn into that. Um, and I think he's definitely got room for improvement at the running back position, I just don't know how much more it's going to be. So if we can get another thousand yard season at, you know, 250 carries for a thousand, maybe 1100 yards out of him, uh, 30 catches out of the backfield for, you know, 250, 300 yards. I think that's a, that's a good projection for him. That's a good season for him. And I think that's really, you know, what this team needs provided, you know, the quarterback stays healthy in the passing game improves. I think you can get by with that. Um, that's a productive, I mean, there were only what, seven, 7,000-yard rushers total in the NFL last year. So the game is just changing. Uh, so I think if you get that out of him, I think that's a good season for him. Yeah, I think it was six or seven. So I think he can be elite. I really do at the running. Because, you know, to me, there's two ways you can look at it. You can look at it as for his talent level, is he overperforming? No. Or you can look at it for his experience, is he overperforming? I say yes. I think he's overperforming for his experience. So as his experience catches up, his, his performance should also increase. Um, now, the question remains, can you improve vision? 
as a running back, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, Antonio Gibson really is a unique case because generally speaking, running backs are a dime a dozen. You know how the league is. They'll draft a guy who's played running back for four years in college, use him, burn him up, move on. Um, whereas Gibson is a project at running back, which you don't generally see in the NFL. So we don't really have a comparable use case for Antonio Gibson. But I'm just of the belief that if he can do as well as he has with his limited experience, that there has to be more there that we can mine out of him. And if we get more than 1,000 yards on 258 carries and seven touchdowns, I think we have something really, really special. Um, and then, of course, the, his expanded dimension in the pass game, too, would put us at a point where now we're talking about upper echelon running backs, right, in the level of a Dalvin Cook or someone in that range. So um, the elephant in the room with Gibson is obviously the fumbles. He had six fumbles last year. Four of them were lost. He had, uh, what was it, two fumbles last year or two fumbles lost his rookie year. Um, Eric, what do you attribute the fumbles to? That That's experience. That is just – that's lack of a, lack of playing running back in the NFL. Um, trying to do too much. Uh, that tends to, tends to happen. Um, and that is luckily something that can be coached out. Uh, it takes a lot of reps. It's, again, it's a muscle memory thing, how to hold the ball high and tight. You know, coach you to stop, you know, reaching for yards, cover up that ball when you go through. That's all stuff. That, that's the kind of stuff. Vision, I don't know that you can coach. Fumbling, you can coach out of somebody. Tiki Barber is a great example of that. Tiki Barber had a real fumbling problem early in his career. He fixed it and went on to have a really good career. So it's definitely doable. And that's something that he definitely needs to address because it was a real issue last year. He had more. He had the most fumbles of any running back in the NFL, more fumbles than a lot of quarterbacks had. So, uh, yeah, definitely needs to get fixed, but that is something that, that can get fixed. Yeah, and I think to attribute to the fumbles as well, he has really small hands for a running back. He is in a sixth percentile for hand size as a running back. I don't think a lot of people know that. Um, now, we talk a lot about quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett with hand size and why that might be a problem, but at the running back position, that is exactly what the issue would be because think about it. You're going through the whole – you're making contact on every play. Quarterbacks almost never make contact with defenders. This is a guy going through the <clears> hole <throat> with the ball in his hands, and defenders are constantly pulling and swiping at the ball. Um, so that is a concern. You can't fix that, but you know, they, nowadays your gloves can help. You can <laughs> fix the way you you can fix the way you hold the ball, um, which is what Tiki did. It's really about basically cradling it to make sure that your hands on top of it and it's tucked in, uh, and covering it with two hands at every every possible. Uh, you know, every time you, you get contact, you have to cover up the ball. It's it's definitely a process and you have to learn how to do it, but it can be done. Yeah. The five I didn't points. actually know that about his hands either. Yeah, they are. Um, He's got little baby hands, him and Kenny Pickett. But that's also some that's also some of the problems with the thought about him converting to a receiver or playing more at the receiver position. Small hands matter at that position. Yeah. Well. As a receiver, it's a bigger deal than a running back, in my opinion. Right. Absolutely. Um, some other interesting piece of information about that. So he tied Jonathan Taylor in fumbles. Taylor had six uh, fumbles last year as well. I don't think he lost as many as Gibson did, but he did have six fumbles. And we consider Taylor to be an elite running back, obviously, because of what he can do. Um, in terms of, like, athleticism, Gibson's 40-yard uh, dash was in the 86th percentile. Yeah. His vertical jump was in the 44th percentile, which is a little bit disappointing for a running back with his speed uh, because your, your vertical jump is really um, a projection of your – explosiveness and i think when we talk about some of the lack of long runs there could be a lack of explosion involved there as well 
Yeah, but when you're looking at two, what is he, 230? Your vertical leap, 228. Yeah, your vertical leap's going to suffer a little bit. I don't know what the, I don't know how you compare the percentiles among running backs. Because if you're going up against a bunch of 200 pound guys, 210 pound guys, and you're 20 pounds heavier than they are, like, I, what's Derrick Henry's vertical? Because that's, you know, he's at 260 or whatever he is. So those, those bigger guys maybe don't. If he's 228 pounds and he's got a 33 inch vertical leap, like, that's, he's explosive. Don't worry about that. He's yeah, he's in the 60th percentile amongst running backs for vertical leap. So that's above average. It's it's slightly above average. I'll take yeah. that. Um, I want to get back into the to the ex- lack of explosiveness because if you have uh, or long runs, excuse me. If you have, yeah, I was going to say explosive plays, not explosiveness. Plays. I think he's yeah. very explosive. Yes, you have four yards of carry, um, but you have no run over 27 yards. Doesn't that tell you he is incredibly effective when he is getting the ball? Just he's not turning. Running? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. just doesn't break him, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't lose yards a lot. Um, his yard, you know, he gets positive gains most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's definitely, you know, four yards a carry, I think is still the benchmark for, you know, running backs like the Mendoza line for a running back. Are you good or are you not good? If you're below four, I think Jonathan Taylor was below four yards a carry if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he? Yeah. I would double check. One of those top backs was at like 3.9. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. You know, Taylor had like 330 carries. He had some crazy amount of carries. He had like 100 more than everybody else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think he's a, you know, he's an effective running back. I think that's in today's NFL, that's what you need. You need a guy who can stay healthy and churn out four yards of carry. If you got that, you've got something at running back. And if you, you know, if you can do more than that, then great. Yeah. I, the thing I, our offense has a few problems that, as we said earlier, that contributes to his performance. Number one, we're always behind. And, you know, especially the defense is was not where you want it to be. And therefore, we were giving up leads early and often. I think, wasn't there a streak where the other team scored on their first drive? <laughs> every week. Every week. Basically. We didn't. Yeah. I don't yeah. think we scored on our first drive until the last game of the season against the Giants. It's like the first time in the season we scored touching on our first drive. Yeah, which which matters because – uh, you know, in, in the situational aspect, your play caller is more likely to call uh, pass plays early on in downs where you would generally run the football. Um, I, I think that the offense can help him out, though, Eric. I really do, uh, because our offensive system, we talked about this a lot throughout the year. The running game, play. Yeah. The running play. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. It got better in that four game winning streak when they really committed to the run. They did. They were doing more. They were running. You know, they were running him out of the eye. They were running him out of the single back, you know, with with the quarterback under center. He was able to get a running start and his, you know, his production increased. Uh, With the exception of the Tampa game, I think he still, he had like 25 carries for like 60 yards in that game. But still, you know, he was effective. Like he was getting positive yards every time. He just wasn't getting five or six yards. But yeah, I mean, the offense, you know, just, you know, having him stand next to the quarterback and shotgun and just get the ball and run left or right just doesn't work you know, as a running strategy. And for a lot of the season, that was the running strategy. That was the only time he would get the ball on a carry. And it was a tell because they couldn't even really run play action out of that because anytime the quarterback lined up under center, you knew it was going to be a play action pass because they never ran the ball out of the formation until they came out of the bye and played, you know, committed to it for a few games. So, yeah, they can definitely do something to get him, you know, maybe get a fullback in front of him, get get him a lead blocker every once in a while. Uh, You know, I don't know. Maybe Scott doesn't like that. Who knows? But, you know, I, you know, his dad sure did and sure worked for him. Yeah. So, yeah, the offense can definitely do more to help him out. Yeah. And, and we're talking about 
getting an extra half yard per carry. I mean, we're not talking about getting him an extra two yards per carry to put him in that upper echelon of running backs. Um, I, I think what we also need to see is just more creativity in general in terms of the play calling. It, going back and watching all these games, you're seeing a lot of the same formation, a lot of the same plays every game. Your quarterback was limited last year, so hopefully um, Carson Wentz opens up the playbook, and that includes opening up different variations in the run game too. Um, because Carson Wentz can probably handle a larger load of the playbook. And, you know, there are things that you just could not run from a passing game perspective with Heineke, which means that's less that the defense has to study in terms of the overall offense to prepare to play you on a week-to-week basis. So, Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, you can tell that – you can tell, like, you, you, newer offensive coordinators, younger offensive coordinators are really pass-happy because, the you know, the passing game is all over the place. But the running game is really dull, and that's kind of what we saw with Scott last year. Uh, and very east-west, like, you know, Antonio Gibson, we said, is 230 pounds, man. Get him running north-south. You know, run him off tackle. You know, get a, get a guard pulling in front of him. You know, get him out there in space. You know, create some create something for him. Help, you know, help him, you know, help you. Exactly. You know, he can really do a lot. He can help a quarterback. Because if you get him running at four yards of carry, four and a half yards of carry, the play-action game opens up, and it's amazing what that can do yeah yeah i mean the the guy is a incredible athlete we talked about the lack of explosive plays but just in that short area and what you're asking for him uh, of him right now he does a, a really good job with that i want to ask you i'm gonna give you some of the names of the top running backs in the league and what i want you to do is tell me if you would keep gibson or would you prefer the player that i'm going to mention all right up first our rushing leader in the nfl last year jonathan taylor would you keep gibson or work with jonathan taylor uh, no, I would definitely take Jonathan Taylor over Gibson. He's basically what we want Gibson to be. You know, Except he's a polished he's a polished running back, uh, and he does everything you want from your running back, and he knows how to find yardage. So, yeah, I would definitely take Taylor. Except for he fumbles too. But yeah, he fumbles yeah, but he had six fumbles and 350 carries as opposed okay. to six fumbles and 250 carries. Yeah, very true. What about Nick Chubb? Nick Chubb. Uh yeah, I think I would take Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb's a very – he's another – he he's just the experience and he knows, you know, he's not a project. He knows what he can do. Um, though I don't know what he would – well, you know, I think he would produce behind our offensive line. I don't know how great Cleveland's offensive line was, but he was pretty productive behind them. Right. Uh, yeah, I would take Nick Chubb over Gibson. Nick Chubb was, <laughs> was a beast last year, and he yeah. has been every year. But he's a high-pedigree guy. He came yes. out of Georgia. He was a highly rated recruit. He's a highly rated college athlete coming out until the injury. So you'd expect mm-hmm. that. Uh, Joe Mixon. So I'm, I'm bitter against Mixon because of my, he screwed me on fantasy so many times. <laughs> like he'd have one good game and then just disappear and then he'd get hurt. Um, I think you said, Manny said that's what Gibson aspired to be. I think that's a wash. Although Mixon was pretty productive last year. But if you look at the offense around him, like I think Gibson might be able to do something like that if he's got weapons everywhere, like, you know, Mixon had on offense. Right. So it's a wash. I I would keep Gibson just because I I don't think you'd be better with Mixon in this offense. What about Dalvin Cook? No, I'm a big Dalvin Cook fan. Um, With the injury, I don't know. Um, But, yeah, I'm a big Dalvin Cook fan. I like him a lot, so I would take him. Yeah, he's he's one of those guys that I think is going to be on a downhill slope relatively soon. Yeah. But he's he's an amazing running back. Yeah, he's been very good when healthy. Uh, what about Zeke? No, 
Gibson. Uh, no Cowboys. There's zero count. Actually, no. I might. I would take Tony Pollard over probably what? Gibson. I would. No way, dude. I love Tony Pollard. He's awesome. I'm glad he's you a do beast. Like, no way. <laughs> hey, Memphis. Memphis took him over Gibson too. So. <laughs> Yeah, but not Zeke. Zeke is Zeke's cooked. He's done, and I'm glad not, they're paying him so much money. Yeah, me too. I'm not going to ask you, Derek Henry, because I think we know what the answer there. Yeah. That's obvious. What about Damian Harris in New England? No. Yeah. No. I mean, he's. I don't take. I don't trust any Belichick player outside of New England, especially not running backs. Ever. Not running backs at all. <laughs> I did like. Who was the guy that went to Tennessee? I liked him a lot. Uh, he was. He retired last year. Smaller guy, Damian. Damian Lewis. Uh, D.D. Lewis, right? D.D. Lewis? I don't know. He was good, though. He was number 33. Can't remember. I liked him, but no, I, I wouldn't take a New England player outside of New England. Never what works. About, what about Alvin Kamara, where he's at right now? In jail? No. <laughs> 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 no, Kamara, I would absolutely take Kamara over Gibson. He's such a weapon in both the running and passing game, all things equal, but yeah. I don't think he might not be on the field next year, so I'd probably keep Gibson. Yeah. What about Eckler in Los Angeles? Um, I don't know. He's another like Mixon type who's just really frustrating. Like he's sometimes really good, and other times you just want to strangle him because he, you know, doesn't get you any fantasy points. Uh, I'm gonna keep Gibson over Eckler. I do like Eckler though. Yeah. I've got a thing for for Chargers players. Like I like so many other players. I don't. But blame. I'm gonna go with Gibson over Eckler because he's younger. Um, two more. David Montgomery in Chicago. No, he's too small, gets hurt too much. I like him, though, but he's too small, gets hurt. He's like, uh, I would compare him more to, uh, actually, no, I wouldn't. I was going to say McKissick, but no, he's better than McKissick. He does more than McKissick does. That's why he gets hurt all the time. Uh, Josh Jacobs, Las Vegas Raiders. Nah, it's a wash. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Josh Jacobs was a running back, and he gives you the same thing that a guy who's not a running back gives you, so. Right. I think Gibson can probably see got a higher ceiling if he can figure out vision. Right. Oh, I have a good one too. Miles Sanders in Philly. Oh man, you're gonna get chucks on us. Uh <laughs> he uh Miles no, Miles Sanders just he didn't even score a touchdown last year though. They didn't use so, they didn't use him hardly. They, they did. The they used him against us. He still couldn't score. Against I us. mean, there was a number one rushing team in the NFL and their lead running back can't score a touchdown. I'm taking Gibson. That's because the quarterback took them all. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, no, I'll take a Gibson over Miles Sanders. Sorry, Chucks. I think I would too. I, I'm, I like Miles Sanders a lot in terms of a pure running back, and he came from a running back school. Uh, but, yeah. you know. Um, all right. He's an eagle. He's an eagle. Can't do it. Um, in December of last year. You didn't, you didn't give me Saquon? Okay. Would you consider that, Saquon or Gibson? Too expensive. Gibson. <laughs> If, they, if, if all things are equal in terms of salary dollars, where would you go with that? Uh, I don't know. Saquon was not himself last year after that knee injury, so I'd still go Gibson. I could be, you know, I could get burned on that, but Barkley, he might never be the same player again. Yeah. He, now, right before now. the injury, absolutely take Saquon, 100%. He, he was one of the elites, yeah. Yeah. Um, in December of last year, a report came out from PFF that Gibson wanted to be used more like a um, Debo Samuel or Cordero Patterson. And Patterson last year was amazing. He played a lot of receiver, um, had a lot of catches, and he played a lot of running back. Um, 
you know, he was technically a starting running back, but he was split out wide just as often, it seemed like, as he was in the backfield. Debo, one of my Isn't favorite. Isn't he like number 84, though? If you're number 84, you're a, you're a wide receiver. Right. You got to commit to a number change. Yeah, you got to give me a number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Debo was all over the place, but Debo was definitely a wide receiver first before he's a running back. Yeah. Um, does that bother you that he comes out and says that, especially since he's a player in transition from a receiver to a full-time running back? I mean, not really, maybe publicly, but if that's what he wants, that's what he wants. I think you potentially could. I think Curtis Samuel's closer to those guys than, than yeah. Gibson is. I think Gibson, he's built like a running back. He's just, you know, he's fast. He potentially could play, but again, I don't know what kind of, I don't know. He seems like he doesn't run routes well. Uh, or does he? I don't know. I mean, I guess you could put him out there and see if he could. I mean, I suppose you could try to do something like that. I just don't know how well it would work. He's been working exclusively as a running back for two years now. He's never really developed as a wide receiver. Uh, those guys, like you said, were receivers first, uh, and then you know they get carries in the backfield. So I don't know if it would work or not. I'm sure you could try it. I mean, why not? If especially if things are going bad. Hey, Gibson, play wide receiver. But I don't know. I, I I'm fine with him saying it that's what he wants that's what he wants but you know prove that you can play running back which i think he has at this point i just don't know you know as a receiver eh. yeah the only thing that bothers me about that is the team is really committed to him playing just running back and so maybe there's a little bit of difference of opinion of where he should be used yeah. will that matter probably not because he's going to do what the coaches tell him to um i personally wouldn't even consider putting him in that type of role i just don't think he's that kind of player i don't think he had shown he was that kind of player in college at a level high enough to to justify him being used in that kind of role. And like you said, I think that's why they brought Curtis Samuel here. They want Gibson between the tackles and going through, um, you know, the outside when it's called for, but they don't want him to be lining up all over the field like someone else might like. Um, all right. you. I think you mentioned earlier that, you know, you'll think he'll be a pretty decent running back. Um, give me a projection in terms of, Another running back that you think he'll be at next year in terms of level, and then maybe a statistical projection um, overall next year. Um, I mean, the best comp I can give him next year is Antonio Gibson of twenty twenty one. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that we've seen what we. I think he can imp he can improve, and I think if there's more of an explosive offense around him, I think you you can see his numbers. His carries may dip a little because you're throwing more, but his. Um, you know, his yards per carry may rise. So, you know, I, I don't think like a Joe Mixon is out of the question, um, but that's, you know, you know, he's got to step up his, his, his uh, explosive plays really like in the passing game. Cause he said he had 40 catches, but he didn't even have 300 yards receiving. So, you know, if he wants to be that type of player, he needs to get, he needs to develop vision. He needs to get better in space. Um, but I think that's not unreasonable to see him getting somewhere like 1,700 total yards if he can, you know, get 1,100 yards rushing and 550 passing or whatever, you know, get him in the 1,600, 1,700 yard total yards. He was at 1,300 last year. So, you know, it's not out of the question, especially if you've got uh, a, a more vertical offense that can create a little bit more space for him, somebody more than Terry McLaurin getting open. Um, I don't see why he couldn't do that. Uh, I'm not guaranteeing that he will, but I can definitely see it happening. Yeah, it's it's a really tough projection because it really depends on what he does in his development over the offseason and also how the offense is going to change with Wentz, as you mentioned. Um, 
I think that he can probably be somewhere in that Najee Harris uh, range with what he did in Pittsburgh, which is 1,200 yards, um, you know, somewhere in that range. The, well, the Harris is the one that had the low yards per carry. That's what he was like 3.9 yards per carry. Yeah. Yeah. He had a lot of carries. And yeah. Right. I, I think that, you know, he can have a much bigger impact and not have a lot more yards next year. You know what I sure. mean? Just like we talked about, you know, him leaving so many yards on the field. I think statistically he's one of the worst running backs in he, or he, he has one of the best run blocking offensive lines in the NFL, but he's one of the worst running backs in terms of taking advantage of those yards. Um, so if he starts to do that and you get the big plays, um, then that opens the game up more. Right. And so he can have a, a better impact in that terms. Um, you know, flipping the field with some of those long runs without going over to, hey, I'm going to have 600 yards rushing. We don't necessarily need that. We just need more impactful carries when he gets the carries that he does get on the field. So um, I, I, I truly am looking for big things from him. Um, I think the quarterback change is going to help. What I think is going to help a lot is figuring out what our wide receiver two is going to do. Um, you know, Last year, it was Terry or nothing else <laughs> at the wide receiver position for the most part. And so you didn't get a lot of, um, you know, uneven boxes for him to run against, right? Um, because they didn't have to. They didn't have to commit extra guys in the coverage against us, especially with Logan Thomas out. So I think there are a lot of different areas um, that can really favor Gibson's projection or, or, or uh, production next year um, as long as the offense commits to it and takes advantage of it. So. Um, Eric, any final thoughts on Antonio Gibson? He's going to be fine next year. Going to get those fumbles down. We're going to see some production out of him. I got no worries with Gibson. I still don't know that he gets a second contract with us, though, but we'll see. He'll only be 25. He'll only be 25 when this contract is over. Um, Now, the question will be, I think, at some point, well, is Gibson going to want to stay here? But we'll get to that another time. Uh, That's for a later conversation. But... um, Draft-wise, I know you want to draft a running back. Um, do you think that hurts him at all in this upcoming year? No, I think, you know, Jared Patterson's the one that would be sweating if they're if they're drafting a running back. Because I don't, you know, I don't know that they're going looking for an RB1. I think they, they're committed to Gibson. They like Gibson. But I think you can improve the depth at running back. So that's, that's where I think they're going to go. I don't think he's – I wouldn't be worried if I were Antonio Gibson at all. I, I would agree with that. Um, last question, Eric. Ron really talked a lot about using Gibson in the Christian McCaffrey role uh, when we first drafted Gibson. I kind of think that's out the window, you know, personally. I think it's just, you know, pure running back, um, you know, and and you're going to see him as a a strictly a running back going forward. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that McCaffrey type role is still in play? No, I think you're right. I think it was very obvious early on that he's not. I mean, Christian McCaffrey's a special player. And if you, you talk about somebody like Debo or Corderell Patterson, I mean, McCaffrey's that type of player. It's just that he's a running back first, but he's the same kind of position flex guy. And Gibson just isn't that guy. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he can be a poor man's McCaffrey, but I don't think he's going to be you know anywhere near what McCaffrey has been. I don't, I don't think you want to use him that way. I think you, you've got, he's got a, a nice carved out position and he should just improve at that. Yep. Embrace it. Use it. Coaches call it. Let's go. I think we're going to have a good year next year with Gibson. Um, It's all arrows pointed up for me. Um, Take care of those fumbles and we'll be just fine. This has been Antonio Gibson declassified. Thank you for hanging with us. Make sure you hit that subscribe, the like button. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Hit us up on Twitter, whatever you want to do. Join the leave a review. 
Give us a rating and review on those podcast sites. Those help get our numbers up. Absolutely. Run those up, please. All right. We'll see you next time. But only if you like us. Only if you like us. Which you do.